Passion and DJ podcast, where we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. Hello, what's up? Greetings and salutations, everybody. This is the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and somehow, some way, the whole family is in the room together for a show. How the hell are you guys? Woo! <laughs> Welcome back. We're all here at once. All right. Somehow. <laughs> the stars are aligned. The stars yes. have aligned, and we are going to be answering everyone's questions. This is an Ask Us Anything episode. You ask questions and we answer. Pretty straightforward. But first, how are you guys doing? Tony, you've been on the road for like ages. Yeah, man. Are you done? Uh, <laughs> for now. For now? Yes. I have a break finally. Yeah. Been having some exciting good. adventures, doing the whole uh, stage management thing and yeah. whatnot. And whatnot. Yeah, more of whatnot than stage managing, sure. <laughs> um, no, I've been very, very busy. I think been- I saw a picture with you, uh, uh, was it Marshmallow you were sitting on stage with? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was kind of the breather at the end of that show. Yeah. I could actually sit yeah, back and relax. You relaxed in that picture. You actually had a <laughs> smile. Yes. That's the look that I always get when the headliner or the last person actually goes on and everything's smooth sailing at the point that they get on. So about 10 minutes into their set, I can just sit back and say, uh, The yes. smile of relief. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes, and it feels good. Well, welcome back, man. Thank you. And um, shout out to Daibutsu. Is that yes. how I pronounce that? Yeah, he had sent me a message on Instagram and said, come back to the podcast. We miss you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Brian so, James and all Brian. of our ambassadors. Yeah, thanks for the message, yes. Brian. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Miss you guys, man. Well, we're going to hear from our ambassadors a little bit today. Um, we have, I think, one question from an ambassador, uh, two questions from ambassadors, and we also have a couple of other submissions that we're going to wrap up with today. So we'll get to hear from them. Once again, our ambassadors are people that are kind of on the inner circle and helping us uh, spread the word about Passionate DJ, and uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. They are down for the cause. They are down for the cause. And uh, just a quick reminder before we get on to our questions, we do have merch available. If you want a Passionate DJ logo, T-shirt, hoodie, anything like that, or a couple of our exclusive designs, go check it out at passionatedj.com forward slash merch. If you missed out on that midnight edition of the uh, classic logo tee, Sorry about your luck. It is gone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get into our first question, Mo, you mentioned something yesterday or day before about Pulse Locker. What's yeah, going on there? Something came across my feed and uh, I shared it in our Slack channel. But basically, Pulse Locker just shut down. It just up and disappeared. No warning, no nothing. Just boom, gone. So we, we don't know why? There's it. Hang on, let me let me reach into my bag here. <laughs> oh, there it is. Told you so. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing I thought about was you when um when I saw that thing. I was when I saw the feed. I was like, oh shit. I I I think Trip will have something to say about this. Well, like because you know I'm I'm not one of those people that like a naysayer. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm I'm not. I'm always open to you know reaching out for newer technology, newer methods. You know something that you know whatever the next step is in the evolution of DJing, right? But the, it seemed like a really broad step, though. Well, but my problem is that 
why would you rely on streaming? Like my one, we've we've we discussed this, you know, a while back. And my my biggest problem there is, and I if I remember right, I said it then too, is that all of that totally relies on you know not just the platform that you're getting that stuff from, but then the contracts that are going on under you know behind behind the, scenes, behind yeah. the door, behind yeah, was- closed doors. So like when. You know, even if Pulse Locker didn't shut down, you know, but let's say that, you know, you are really into a particular label or a particular artist or whatever, and then all of a sudden the contracts go south, that stuff is gone from the platform. Well, then you don't have that to play anymore. There's no replacement for buying and owning tangible media to, to play on demand as you want. Yeah, because I it's a good point because I don't think the problem is streaming as a technology because that's I think people get hung up on that. They're like, why would you want to rely on streaming? And my response to that is, well, local caching. You can download it and it's fine and it'll save. Sure, but that's sure. not the issue. Well, the issue is exactly what's happening to people now. Right. Uh, I pulled up an article on DJ Tech Tools and it says, we just got tipped off that streaming service Pulse, Pulse Locker has been quietly telling its customers today that they're shutting down operations. The service abruptly went down today and sent out notifications to all of their customers without any previous notice. And uh, they, they post the letter here and stuff. They don't really give any information as to why it's happening. And uh, they haven't responded to any requests for details about their shutdown. And then they put a Facebook post in here that uh, some DJ was having trouble. And they said, yep, I have a wedding tomorrow. Lost everything, literally everything. I'm calling everyone I know right now to see what CDs I can scrape together and buying over $200 in music. Right. That's the scary part. Right. And that's 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 exactly the, the, the type of thing that I said, mm-hmm. you know. I don't even remember what episode it was that we were talking about. Yeah, all she of called it. <laughs> but I mean, that's I mean, that's why. To for me, there's still no replacement for buying uh, buying the music to uh, that you have and possession of. Yeah, right, right. And, and and to your point, yeah. With I mean, like with Spotify and all that, yeah, you can download it. But then, like you know, what happens when the platform goes down, or if the platform goes down? And uh, just, oh, I, I feel for all those DJs that are out there that's going to be going through exactly that. Um, and not only the DJs, but I mean, think about the the, customers. the wedding, pe- right. you know, like the people throwing yeah. the wedding or whatever, the, the people that are holding the gigs. That's, yep. I mean, yep. and that, that poor DJ is going to, you're just going to want to crawl in a hole and die after that, yeah. you know. It's going to yeah. ha- have a serious impact on his reputation, his ability to do business in the future. Right. Oh, you're so unprofessional. What, you just suddenly don't have your music anymore? Exactly. Right. So could that be wow. a lawsuit? <clears throat> I would imagine that there's something buried in the terms of service or yeah. the, the EULA, mm-hmm. you know, that when you sign up for that service that you are basically saying, yeah, I'm going to waive my right to hold you responsible for any failures on... on Plus, the, that's got to be scary for the, the uh, like, software companies and stuff who have integrated with Pulse Locker, and right. they're just like, yoink. Yep. Yeah, because it was... Uh, what, oh, um, shit. Like, we put our names on this. Was it Virtual DJ, I think? Serato. And Serato. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I expect there's going to be a dot... Uh, dot X release coming from Serato <laughs> soon to remove Pulse Locker from the library. <laughs> and for those that aren't familiar, basically Pulse Locker, instead of buying your own music, you subscribe to this service and you could utilize whatever music they had. Yeah, kind of a replacement for the traditional record pool idea. Right, Correct. Right. It was like a virtual record pool, yeah. I guess is, would be the best way to describe it. So you could, in th- well, you would download the music, I think, through their app or whatever software they had, and you played the music through that application. But you could use it with Serato or right, a virtual right. DJ. So 
I guess for some people, when you're concerned about, you know, spending, should I spend all this money on these tracks or should I pay for the service? Well, for some DJs, it made more sense to pay for the service because I think it wasn't super expensive. It was like, I think if I remember right, it was like 20 bucks a month for the offline version. So like if you, you could like, <laughs> as long as you were on Wi-Fi, you could download and, and, and uh, cache the music in, yeah. in, into your library and all of that stuff. And then you could, you know, use it with your software or whatever offline. There was a $10 a month tier and a $20 a month yeah. tier. And, you know, so, you know, over the course of a year, you know, you know, then if you didn't spend that much on your music anyway, throughout the year, yeah. you know, then, you know, whatever. Yeah, and but, the thing that kills me is like, to me, like, I've kind of been a little bit defensive of the model because I think, you know, in for a lot of DJs, it makes a lot of sense. Sure. Like, it doesn't from make sense. From a financial standpoint. You know. Yeah, from a financial standpoint, depending on what kind of gigs you do, like, it doesn't really make sense for me. But having something access to something like Pulse Locker or Spotify in your library, assuming that you can cache the files and you're not relying on some shitty Wi-Fi connection or yeah, something right, like that. Right, right. Um, if you take requests, yeah, if you, yeah, you for do what a, I do, a it lot, totally yeah, makes it makes sense. sense more right. sense yeah. for your gigs or right. for weddings or for corporate gigs or for so anybody who does a lot of gigs in a week or something like that. Yep. To have access to a pool like that, but I for, mean, this for a song is, that you're going to play one time, right? Do I want to spend the two dollars <laughs> on it, or can I just pay ten bucks and figure out how to store that file and back it yeah. up and blah 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 blah? Right. Because but, my wife had actually talked to me about it because you know using Apple Music or some form of it, and right around the time Apple Music started, I think it was when the Pulse Locker thing dropped, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, you know, you ever thought about doing that?" And like, I'm all, I'm like Tony, like I have to have ownership of whatever it is i'm going to use because i would rather spend the two dollars and have the comfortability of knowing that if i can have it access it and put it wherever i want mm -hmm. versus once that system goes down or goes away in this mm -hmm. case and not having to rely on wi-fi or, or cell signal or anything like that i just i don't like to create opportunities for failure right so i'm glad i yeah you know I, i'm glad i followed the, the your tutelage trip <laughs> and just, it is nice to know that uh, if omega omega music down the street shuts down all my records stay on my shelf yeah, right. yeah exactly right. <laughs> yeah. well speaking I mean, of which i was there friday making some uh, some purchases hey <laughs> yeah for me it goes back to that i mean like don't get me wrong i'm 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 all for the streaming i have the full paid like you know spotify account and all of that stuff um, but you know, for me, if I'm going to DJ something, I, I want ownership of it. I want to be yeah. able to hold on to it. Um, because all of this is just, you know, it, it's, it, it's evolution of that whole renting music or, or streaming things right. that you don't own for, you know, for, for price of access to it, you know, but you know, and this if, argument's been, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say that, you know, but if you are going to DJ and your artistry or your business or, you know, what it is that you do relies on that, you know, for me, it just makes more sense to have the tangible ownership of that rather than, be at the mercy of somebody else and their platform and yeah. their their ability to give you access because once yep. that goes away well then what happens to your artistry yep you know like or your business or whatever right right yeah right. yeah this uh this argument's been had in a few different types of media now and yeah. you know gamers will be really familiar with this if anybody who was following the this uh the last generation of consoles PS4 and Xbox mm -hmm. 1 that came up this was a big conversation because initially Microsoft was going to they were talking about not having an optical drive at all right. and then they were saying you have to like have them all registered with their online service and blah 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 mm -hmm. and so this kind of digital versus physical copy thing has been a big thing in the gaming 
scene for that same exact reason. Right. Well, what if PlayStation Network goes down? I just don't have my games anymore. Right. Right. Or are you right. going to give me an infinite bulletproof hard drive to keep on this stuff forever? Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. frustrating, man. This this technology is so good and so useful and has changed our lives and has its own set of caveats. And right. mm-hmm. we're all learning as we go, I think. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> all right, you want to take some questions? No. Nope. No. All right. This I'm has been good. the Passion DJ Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, our first question comes from Matt C. via Facebook. He says, I'm in the process of going from analog to digital, and all of the analysis, such as renaming files, setting cue points, etc., is driving me mad. Mm. How do I get through this with what little sanity I have left? That's a good question. Um, patience. Patience. And I think the first thing that pops in my head is like, okay, are you are you ripping all your vinyl to MP3? Is that just a thing that you're like, I'm going to do my entire collection right now, or is there is it like maybe time to <laughs> weed some of that out and reduce before you start the process? Sure, definitely a tedious process. That's it for is. sure. But yeah. I know when I do it, um, I do it as I go. Um, I do too. I, I don't do bulk amounts. Like maybe you know, 10 or 15 tracks at a time, it's still a pain in the ass. Um, I don't do cue points. Yeah. I, I just, I, I create my cue points on the fly. Um, but. Yeah, I do, I do too most of the a time. A load marker, I put a load marker in, and then like the fifth the fifth beat in, I put a. I, I think that's going to be the key is like, okay, what what's your approach to DJing? Because if you're the type of DJ that's like, I never, never, never have any planning or any idea whatsoever on what I'm going to play in that next hour, and I need my whole collection, then this becomes a lot bigger problem than Mm -hmm. if you have kind of a general idea of the stuff you're playing right now. Maybe that reduces your burden to 100 songs that you got to worry about prepping instead of 5,000 or or something. That was the issue I had when I first converted or first got into digital DJing is like I had all this music, and I was like, well, shit, what do I do with it? But now I'm to the point where I had all this music that I never did anything to that I'm just like, well, do I just delete it? Right. You know, or whatever. But I think when I upgraded uh, to my MacBook, I basically, anything that I hadn't played past a certain year, mm-hmm. I just deleted and I kept it on a backup. Uh, on yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. On a backup uh, product. And then everything from now, like I do, like I think I got it from Utrip where whenever you buy your music, you said you put it like in the to be to be tagged folder or whatever Mm, and then set my cue points and my grids and everything like that and make my notes. So one thing that he mentions is renaming files. And I would say, throw that one out the window. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, Either get a tool to do it or have iTunes or something, manage your library. And then you don't have to worry about that aspect. Then it's all tagging. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I'm, as one of those people that like was so anal retentive about file names and that was coming from a windows environment, you know, before library managers and and tagging editors and all that stuff were really all that great. I did everything by my file and folder system in windows and by file name. Me too. So I was exactly the same way. And I, I mean, my file names were, you know, uh, artist, space dash space track name and then in parentheses you know remix Mix, name yeah. or yeah or whatever and um but you know over time you know it, that is it's a tedious process and it's a thankless one and i mean what do you do do you show somebody that and like i mean that's not something no to show that's off. mine well no it's not something to show <laughs> off right yeah. like it's like oh hey oh. look at how sexy my yeah. my file system is you know it's it, and someone else looks at it like why the hell what? did you do it right. that way 
But um, so eventually, as the library editors and and managers started to get better, um, I used Media Monkey for a while Mm -hmm. on on Windows. Um, That one did a really good job as far as uh, because you could you could automate it. You could tell it, okay, here's what I want you to rip from the tags and then create file names or you can create tags based on file names and stuff like that. So it it went both ways there and. Um, Some of them used to pull the tags from database. From too. databases. So it would look at Amazon. It looked at uh, iTunes, I think. It looked at a few different ones. Yeah, you um, could usually, I think you could pick which uh, ID3s you were using. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. From what source. You know. <clears throat> right. So um, I don't think MediaMonkey is available on, a, on the Mac platform, though. So um, that... It, but I mean, since then, I do almost all of all of that stuff in either Serato, Recordbox, or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's almost a non-issue for me now, especially because like, you know, depending on where you buy your music, the file names are all always different. You know, they've got yeah. their own like, you know, hash scores, yeah, and all and all that stuff. But you know, uh, and you can personalize it a little bit through Beatport if you use their downloader app, but. Um, you know, at the end of the day, as long as the tags are right, I, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say if you're, if you're not like trying to get rid of your records, then just do as much as you have to. Cause you're right. It's, it's just terrible. Right. There's, there's no great way to do this. No. Um, everyone's and, a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and beyond that, um, get a backup and then automate anything you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's worth the money. Yes, yep. for sure. Okay, uh, we have a voicemail. This comes from James. He also goes by DJ Big Block, and he wants to know what our backup plan is for like a crashed laptop kind of situation. What's up, guys? This is James, aka DJ Big Block from Houston, Texas. Been listening to your podcast now for the last few months and really enjoying it. Keep up the great work. My question is, I have a 2008 MacBook Pro that I've been DJing on with Serato DJ, and I have a Pioneer DDJ SX2. And um, I've done about five or six gigs now, and my computer has crashed um, sometimes multiple times during a gig, two or three times during a five hour you know, span. So my question is, what do you guys do for backup as far as um, you know, as far as crashing goes and things like that. I know you can hook an auxiliary cable from your iPhone to the mixer. I haven't tried it yet, but, and play music that way while you're rebooting your computer or something like that. But I'm in the works now of saving up for a new MacBook. I um, want to get like a 2014 or 15 model and uh, go, go, go from there. But that's my question. Uh, what do you guys do for backups during gigs? And uh, do you just get on the microphone and, and talk while you're rebooting or, or what do you do? I'm really scared as far as weddings or like being in a club environment of my laptop crashing and then, you know, you kind of being stuck. So anyway, that's my question. Like I said, keep up the great work on the podcast. I love it. And I'll talk to you next time. Okay. I'll let whoever wants to jump uh, in here to go, me? but real quick, I just wanted to say DDJ SX2, really nice. Yes, very. 2008 MacBook, a little rough. Right. Um, and I'd say that because my, my my wife's is a 2007 model MacBook, and there's there's no way I'd be able to to play on that thing. Really? So I'm you're already on the right track by wanting to get like a 14, 15 model. Yep. I think that'll fix a lot of your issues because yeah. that's I mean that one's getting a little long in the tooth. But uh, go ahead, um, Tony. That's a scenario of the show must go on. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely, like he was saying, uh, an auxiliary cord, uh, some type of backup music to play 
always uh if you're a mobile dj yeah definitely have a backup laptop i know um danny d that plays down on saturday nights he does salsa saturdays he's got i think two backups mm. you know backup for a backup um get on the mic like you said talk um just take the crowd's mind off of something that just happened don't don't give them the oh shit scenario what happened and start freaking out and panicking. Right. Yeah, don't let them know that something's right. wrong. Yeah, just um, or yeah. that it's bothering you if it's obvious. Yeah, True. yeah. absolutely. Um, but that would be yeah. Definitely have a backup laptop. Even when you get a new one, have a backup for it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be as expensive or you know a golden piece, but just make sure you have a backup. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that <laughs> in the in the interim while you're saving up for, you know, the, the newer MacBook, because that's, you know, your, your platform of choice, but don't discredit, you know, a $400 PC, you know, uh, cheap laptop. As long as it's got an I five, I would say six to eight gigs of Ram and maybe, you know, a, you know, however much hard drive space yeah, that you need. The minimal specs that you need right. for it to run. Yeah, then, anything's going to run it nowadays. Right, yeah. right. You know, then then you can just use that exclusively for DJing for, you know, the short term until you get that MacBook. And then it, once you do get that MacBook, then keep that sucker, you know, packed in a lap, in a, in a, in a in bag somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, take it as your backup to your MacBook in case something does happen when you're actually out at a gig. Yeah, com- comparing that to um, on our stages when we do four CDJs, um, the back of the CDJs, they have the RCA outs and they have the line out. So we plug both of them in. You know, the RCA is one, two, three, four. The line's into one, two, three, four. So if one of the line the line it's cables or RCA, there's a backup, they can just turn the switch. Mm-hmm. Same scenario with your auxiliary cord to your iPhone or whatever, you know, your smart device is to plug into your DDJ and just have it ready. If something goes out, you know, it's right there. All you have to do is just touch your screen, hit play, and something comes on. And you know? to back that, to go off of that... If you've got an iPhone or an iPad or whatever, uh, don't forget that Serato has the Pyro uh, software mm. that you can use uh, to actually mix the music for you mm. while you're trying to get things figured out. Oh, yeah, I forgot I even had that on my phone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for, for me, it's it's case by case. So um, so pretty common scenario. I'll just use you as an, an example, Tony. The, don't use me. Well, there, this is something that happens pretty frequently right. where you're the you're the promoter or the person throwing the show and mm-hmm. I'm DJing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm playing a show where I'm going to be playing on Tractor, say, mm-hmm. and it's just like a kind of a smaller, like something for the homies kind of thing, then I'll try to bring some kind of redundancy. Like I'll, I'll bring my laptop, but I'll also bring like a, a thumb drive full of tunes just in case I need it, something like that. Um, or I will have talked to you and say, hey, are, are you, is your laptop going to be there if I need it? And you'll say, yeah, but, you know, I know each other so we can get away with that. Right. <clears throat> um, if it's something like Big Headliner, like the Sasha show kind of mm-hmm. thing, um, I typically I'm kind of like, OK, I'm playing on CDJs. So if those CDJs don't work, there's a, a bigger issue. <laughs> like that's, that's the, we're not having a show at all. That's that's kind of your problem at that point, mm-hmm. right? As the promoter. Mm-hmm. So assuming that there are enough CDJs there to go around, then everybody's happy. So then I just make sure I have like two thumb drives in case right. like Pioneer Pro DJ yeah. Link isn't working, or one. Yeah, I lose one or something like that. So I just kind of take it case by case. I don't I don't really have like a backup laptop or anything either. But that's, if right. I were touring, I would technically. Oh yeah, yeah. Or something like yeah. that. But every time on stage, we have four CDJs. But technically, you know, your typical 
I'd say 85% of the DJs are only using two at a time. Yeah. But they're linked, you know, so all four are capable of playing that one thumb drive. Yeah. Sure. So there is plenty of backup there. Yeah. I, it just and to, we have one for if any one of those four go out. Yeah. Right. Uh, just to kind of circle back to the extra laptop point, like, I don't think any of us are sitting here saying, go buy as many laptops as you can. Like, you know what I mean? I think, Max out the credit card. <laughs> so I think in, in, in his specific case, if, if his MacBook is a detriment to his shows, mm. then then he needs to replace that MacBook ASAP. And the quickest way to do that would be with a cheap Windows laptop mm. that has the minimum specs that he can get away with. And then now you have something that you can rely on for shows and then keep saving up for the better MacBook. Yeah, if your brain is crashing, right. <laughs> you definitely need to find a new brain. Yeah. But uh, being the lab. The, the so only- in the it, <clears throat> once you replace the MacBook, then you know, okay, make your decision. Mm-hmm. I, me personally, if I was in that in that uh, if I was in that uh, scenario, I would probably keep the cheaper Windows laptop because you're not going to really get anything out of it trying to sell it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, out in the open market, and if it's you know a fail safe or if it's a backup, then you know you know you've got that. Mm-hmm. But um, the only caveat I'd say with that is it's it's not as push button easy to go back and forth between Mac and Windows laptops true. and collections that all is day. True. So that is true. Something yeah. to keep in mind if you're if you're only using that as a temporary solution, right. try to do it in a way that you don't invest a lot of time. Right, in. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I, I've done a couple of things. So originally, I started carrying my old. Uh, laptop my pc laptop and my macbook and then uh of late i've just gone to taking my macbook and an ipad because they have that tractor dj i'm i'm a tractor oh, yeah, user yeah. so yeah. that it's um it's very i'd say it's probably about 80 20 as far as same as using regular tractor pro so the workflow is very similar so it's because you're a, already using a control s4 that's right yeah, yeah. Mm. so everything so you, which kinda, you can use with which you can use with it so it's just a little. It just looks a little bit different, and if I have to, I can just swap out cords to go into the uh, MacBook versus my um, my right. iPad. Um, and also, what I've done before, or what I still do, is I have a couple mixes that I have loaded onto my phone that I've done that are like an hour long, just in case something bad goes on. Because yeah, I can't believe we didn't bring that up. Yeah, I, I, right. I did have an incident where I had just swapped out to. Um, I have a SD card in my MacBook now that I keep all my music on instead of keeping on the native hard drive. Sure. And I forgot to tell the MacBook that all my iTunes prep tracks were in a different folder than the rest of my tracks that I had like downloaded or purchased. Mm. So I'm trying to play this particular show and I'm like, and I'm getting all these red lights, red lights, red lights. You know, <laughs> cannot find file. Can I'm like, oh, Yeet. fuck. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh. Puppies and kittens. <laughs> So then I'm like, oh shit. Um, it's like two minutes after I'm already supposed to start. So I was just like, fuck it. And I upload that mix and I kind of like act like I'm like I'm not freaking out up there. And the dude's looking at me, he's like, Yeah, give me a thumbs up and nod. And I'm like, okay, cool. He doesn't know I'm fucking up right now. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just like the pros. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to start doing uh fist pumps and uh and uh cryoblast. So as I'm doing this, I'm like for some reason, all of a sudden, I calm down. I'm like, okay, what what's different? Okay, I didn't move this. Oh, shit, these are all iTunes tracks. So then I go into the directory. I'm like, okay, all my iTunes shit is in here on this on this uh, SD card. And then it starts updating. And luckily, my MacBook's new enough to where it, it, was, it wasn't causing any stress issues on the CPU workload. 
So after literally it took about 15, 10 or 15 minutes for it to figure everything out. And then I was able to transition out of the mix. <laughs> I've, you know, I found something that was a similar yeah. BPM and then just smoothed out. And I was I, like, I've done that too. <laughs> right, right. Then I went and got a drink. <laughs> uh, side note so you added sd card storage to your macbook yes how, uh, how has that worked for you uh performance wise because i've thought about that but i know the read and write speeds aren't great so i didn't know if it would work well for djing or not i'm not noticing any issues at all um, really there, i don't there's no latent there's no latency that i can notice um as far as the track loading it's pretty much have you ever no, tried to analyze like 100 tracks at once off of one or anything like that yeah when we actually when we got the um mixed in key stuff. Yeah. I had just transferred everything over. So I was like, oh well just let's just let's stress test it. So I got like a month's worth of music that I downloaded, which is probably about twenty to thirty tracks and just took about maybe three to five minutes. Really? Yeah, it wasn't... See, I might actually do that then, because I'm, I'm stuck with the solid-state drive that I bought with my 2012 MacBook, which right. is 256 gig, which yeah. is not enough for me. Same here. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, because mine's 256, yeah. and the SD card is 256. So Nice. Um, short of going up to a terabyte like you did, Trip. Right. That, that, to me, was a good compromise, because I think I paid, like... I found it on sale, and I paid maybe like 100 bucks for it. Yeah. Um, and, and you got you got reasonable. the the one that it was it the one that I showed you where it, it it's the uh, the form factor one. Yeah, yeah, like so it It's right there. Yeah. Yeah, like you you don't even notice that it's really yeah. there because like with a lot of SD cards the way that they're shaped if you get it then it like they're juts out, out of the side. Yeah. yeah. So this one is is a lot more flush. Oh, nice. Um but the the biggest thing as far as read write speeds on those SD cards is just to make sure that they're class 10. If as long as it's a okay. class a class 10 card then Nerd alert. Nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, explain class ten. Yeah, uh, just the 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 read write speed on those. Okay. Um, a, a lot of the like, and the only reason I even know that is because with the phone, um, like if you have a mobile phone that takes an SD card or the micro SD card or uh, you know photographers' cameras and stuff like that. Um, it's the speed of reading and writing. So if you try to take video with like a class four card, then it comes out real choppy. Yeah. Okay. But uh, when you put in the class 10 card, it's a total difference. In, oh, that's great uh, to quality. know. Yeah. Cool. This has been your weekly nerd alert. Bye. Trip Turlington. So yeah. So going back to, to our guy, you know, uh, uh, fix it, fix your problem, fix the laptop. All right, uh, at OG 10 speed on Instagram, he says, how can I keep my resident gig fresh? When I am playing the same venue eight to ten times a month. That's every Friday and Saturday. Thanks. Love the show. Is Frequent a, gigs. How to keep a, them fresh. Is it a top 40 venue? I don't know. I noticed when I, when I was a top 40 venue playing, well, I mean, assuming that it's a top 40 venue, um, I know, man, I got into those what I called peanut butter and jelly mixes mm. that were just the same ones every week over and over, and it just became so, so monotonous. Yeah. Just like a new track in here every here and, week Here or so. and there, yeah, but, you know, like Erotic City with Don't Stop the Rock, <laughs> you know, and just all those all those mixes and things like that, man. It's, it's, it's hard to keep it fresh, especially Top 40, because the clientele, that's, that's all they want to hear. That's what they, they want to hear. They don't right? want to hear new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never really, I've Man. never played that many gigs. I don't really know what what that problem's like. Yeah, um, when you're playing every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and this, it's it's like listening to the radio. You know, the right. the time spent listening. When you go from point A to point B, you hear a song. When you go get in the car, go from point B to point A again. You're supposed to hear that song again. You know, mm -hmm, that's right, how right. they. 
that's top yeah, forty. Club yeah, music. and if it's like, a, if ugh. he's playing eight to ten top forty type gigs a month, then I, maybe that's something you can't really escape. Right. right, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, uh, unless you're just like really getting into technical mixing or like trick mixing and scratching and right. having fun with it and getting crazy, that'd be the only thing that I could think of to really. The only thing that I, I really came up with um, for the because I, I never really took that kind of a, a gig, right? Like I did a little bit of it. Um, it. To be fair, we don't know if these are top 40 gigs. He doesn't right. specify. No, 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 right, we, right. we are kind of assuming that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the the little bit of like hip hop type stuff that I did do, uh, Sonic Styles, mm-hmm. uh, who's a, a, a listener on the show. We've talked about him before. Um, he, he used to do uh, like a teen night. And he did a um, a top forty type of bar, but uh, he did the underground room, which, ironically enough, was like rap and hip hop, mm-hmm. but then mixed with techno and break beats Breaks. and stuff, yeah. <laughs> like, stuff like that. So, but th- that particular club had a very specific format that they wanted him to follow. So he turned me on to these like um, these like club mixes, which were like the song that you heard on the mm-hmm. radio, but they were remixes that were, you know, the, like a remix. Service? Yeah. They like were like club promo friendly. only promo. maxi singles. No, no, no. no. <laughs> These were like promo. Yeah. Like they were promo only. Um, but, um, you know, so like a good example would be like MTV party to go. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think MTV does those things anymore, but a long time ago they were like compilations of, all of the hot songs for that year, but they were all mixed together. And it was the, it was the same song, but like it, the, the beat and everything was just re-engineered enough so that it was DJ friendly. Like Ultimix. Yes. Yeah, Ultimix. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like what, so he had a bunch of those where like, you know, the, the beat was changed. There were like, you know, more drums, more percussion. There were more breakdowns for, you know, the ability to mix in and out. So if it's those types of things where those kinds of remixes are still available, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, back then we called them, you know, like you said, ultimixes, Mm -hmm. the 12 inch club Mm -hmm. mix and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that gives you a little bit more leeway, a little bit more room to kind of play around and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If it's more like, you know, the type of stuff that all of us are used to, like the underground, like, you know, electronic dance scene and stuff like that, like, you know, it just kind of depends. It's easier to get away with throwing anything new because, you know, that's what it's about is not hearing something that you've never heard before. Right, right. Um, but top 40 music, you know, I played it for years, like 91 till like mid to late 96, and it was every every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It was the same, you know, mixes back to back. Song, yeah. this song goes so good with this song, and I got so used to those songs going good together that I always mix those two together. Um, you know, you can throw one or two in every now and then that are a little different. Maybe get the crowd used to it, especially if they're regulars. Mm-hmm. You know, you get get them used to those new songs, and then you know, eventually, as time goes on, you'll have a little more new, a little more right. new. Right. And you can change it up a little bit, but it, you know, again, if it's a top forty club, then yeah, my you know, my head goes to hard. a local club that we had here, Pearl. Right, so back uh, maybe ten years ago or so, I learned a lot about how to get away with things <laughs> because right, right. the DJs there would. It was kind of a top forty clubby kind of thing, and that was when I was in my my prime clubbing years or whatever. And so I would go there and I would hear the songs I'd heard on the radio and I would hear the hip hop and all that stuff. And then 
it would somehow end up into some techno and house mm, music, right, and then it would, right. but not for very long. Then it would come back, and I, I eventually learned that's what he was doing. He wanted to play what he wanted to play, <laughs> and right, so he found ways to make it work. But you've got to be very good to pull that off, yeah. Especially at the time in Dayton, because yeah. you could not play techno. You, and you couldn't play stuff crowd. like that here. You know, oh, if yeah. they get bored with it, you have to get right back to what it is yeah. that they want. Yeah. So yeah. I think he found a couple of uh, tracks that would get him from one place to another so that he could sneak things in as long as he thought he could get away with it, you know. And, and at the same time, while you were at that club, at specific times when you heard a song like um, like Usher, mm-hmm. yeah, you knew what song was coming next. Yeah, I was going to say they also had some of those bread and butter mixes. That's, yeah, right? and that's that's exactly. might be what he's talking yeah. about, you right. know. Right. But again, we're only assuming. Yeah, for me, I never had any weekly residencies. The, the most frequency <laughs> I had was every other week. And for me, I would just try and not play the same songs um, two shows in a row. Kind of the same thing I do with my CrossFit competitions. I Just like a personal challenge? Yeah, kind of thing. exactly. A personal challenge. And like sometimes people come, oh, can you play this song? And I'm like, oh, okay. No, maybe. I played that last week. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I would dig into the crate and look for a, 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 a remix or an edit or something, right. you know, or just, you know, try and get creative with it or kind of make my own edits on the fly. But, um, that's just kind of, but yeah, you know, that's always something I've kind of admired about those guys that have those weekly residencies. Like, how do you keep your brain from, you know, rotting, playing the same stuff over and over? But back in the day when I was a kid, yeah, playing the top 40 clubs, like, you know, the same stuff every week. And then maybe every two weeks or so, you'd get something, I'd get something from promo only, like, oh, let me sneak this in. So cool. then it was kind of like through attrition, like your sets would change, but. We're talking over the course of like six weeks, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The top 40 yeah. clubs exhausted like my creativity. That's for sure. Because um, you, you can't really get creative. Because right. I remember you talked about like you drop something in and the manager would be like, hey, turn that shit off. Yep. <laughs> and the, the <laughs> That's promo how it was only, for me. <laughs> when the promo onlys and the Ultimixes came out, that saved me a lot. Because like you were saying, Trip, like they, they put those, the 32 break at the beginning, the middle and the end. Mm-hmm. So you could do some stuff and, you know, get a little trickery with it. With it. But yeah, yeah, just playing those it, it, it is what it is, top 40, you know? And I'd like to hear from the guy to see if it is a top yeah. 40 club or what style of music or... Yeah, that's that's a lot of gigs for the same venue, mm-hmm. 8 to 10. Yep. Um, well, I mean, like, at, at one point in my life, I was a, a DJ for a strip club, so, like... That- All right, next on stage, center stage, <laughs> Cinnamon, Cinnamon, come on up. Yeah, Twinkles, you're on deck. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> so, um... I... It, it wasn't so much mixing at that point, you know, it was mm. based, you're a glorified jukebox, yeah. you know, you, you like have drop mixes essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you, and you only played two to three minutes of each one. And, uh, and it and was that always bothered me with like the whole stripper economy is like, that song is three minutes. Why do I only get like 90 seconds? I still have to pay $20, <laughs> $20. Right. But you know, for me, the, that was also a creativity killer because it that that was it was it was terrible because like one i don't get to mix you know it's it's play you know two minutes of this two minutes of this two minutes of this and then it's almost all requests and even if it's not requests then i couldn't like venture out too far i remember one time i played entramicasa by armand van helden (laughs) believe it or not it went over really well with the girl on the stage but but the manager came out and he was like you can't do that He looked at you, dude. Right. Seriously, right? But uh, yeah. So, I, I, to try to keep things fresh, it's all it's all in trying to you know expand 
what it is that you're doing in whatever way that you can. You know, yeah. so whether that's the ultimixes or whether it's, you know, pushing yourself to try to, you know, maybe scratch or to, you know, do something more creative or, you know, look into, um, you know, sometimes even it's just bringing something old in, you know, especially yeah. like for us in the electronic music world. Classics where, and mashups. Right, right. Where, you know, sometimes you can reach back 10 years and grab a track that is still, it sounds like it could be relevant today and nobody's the wiser, you know. Right. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that kind of leads well into the next question. This comes from one of our ambassadors, Tom Reed. He says, what is your ideal booking and what would be the worst? I will never DJ a strip club again. Okay. Never, I'll never. do it. No, ever, never, ever, ever. Not a fan? Ne no. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. The scenery is great, right? But, <laughs> um, but when you eat pizza every day, all day. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the whole thing there, like I, like I just said, for me, it was the everything is two minutes long. You don't actually do any mixing yeah. yeah so like you're you're just a glorified jukebox and that 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 killed me like i just was like you know i got the job because uh, i knew some of the dancers at a particular club and they were like oh we know this awesome dj and they had a, a dj slot open up so i went and i was playing and you know you got the right voice for it though <laughs> uh yeah so <laughs> can you give us a quick plug real quick? Oh, come on God. all righty guys coming up next is your two for one tuesday two dances for 25 dollars yeah still got it man i'd pay you but anyway, no, um, Shit's hot. so yeah, uh, <laughs> so I'm into my wallet, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can PayPal me at Turley, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So for me, it, like my idea of what I wanted to be as a DJ versus, okay, I'm doing this, like, you know, I'm, I'm DJing to fulfill this need for a business, right. but it, our definitions of what a DJ were, we're not overlapping. So that ended up really becoming more of a, like I, I, I did not enjoy going to work at that point. More, more of a button pusher slash yes, announcer very kind much, of. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. Even though it was paying, it still wasn't fulfilling. Right. Right. Well, as far as ideal bookings, I'd say for me, I think a, a lot of people's head goes immediately to the big, you know, I want to play in front of a million people and stuff. And for me, I think it's like, two or three hundred really really into it people mm -hmm. in a dark room somewhere on like the same room type of thing yeah on yeah. the same level as yeah. me like yeah. literally height wise like right. we're all on the same plane right. and like we're all just sharing that moment yeah. with music and they're all dancing or at least you know moving and engaging with it that's yeah. i mean that's all i need i would say i for me ideally i agree i i think the, the more into an intimate, you know, ideal size thing, you know, so like, yeah, the two, three, maybe 500 people in a 500 or less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, so like uh, on uh, in terms of consistency, like if if I could have those types of bookings more often, oh, then, yeah. then yeah, for longevity and, and for fulfillment. But, you know, um, I would like, you know, the occasional like you know, movement, mm -hmm. you know, put me on a bigger stage. Yeah, it's not that I don't want to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. so like if I had the chance to play for 20,000 people standing in front of me, you know, on a stage mm -hmm. that, for the type of music that I wanted to play, you know, I don't want to get on a stage and play EDM. Right. Like right. that's mm -hmm. not my ideal gig, but like, 
if I could like maybe travel to Bristol yeah. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or, you know, or Brighton or, you know, yep. London and, and do like a big drum and bass show or something like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, but, um, you know, pepper those in, like, I wouldn't, I don't think I would want to do that all the time yeah. because you get, plus it's grueling. I mean, you just hear right. about how rough that is. I mean, just watching Tony, just doing the work right. you know, behind the scenes is right. like, geez, I don't know if I even want to, would want to go through that. Mel was like, where's Tony been? I was like, I see him on Instagram all the time, but I haven't seen him in a long time. I was right. like, he's, you do he's, get dope he's Instagram shots. Right. I gotta say that. But, uh, <laughs> I haven't even. Ch- I dude, I have folders of shots that I haven't even. <laughs> is it the one with Chance yet. the Rapper? That one with Chance is that, awesome. that's my favorite of that all. That was of, of yeah, all that was Emod that took that. It was our videographer. Yeah. I didn't even know that was taken. He sent it to me. He's like, dude, I that's got my favorite pic. photo of you. you check this out. Right. Like, For shit. those who haven't seen it, check it out on our Instagram page. Tony looks like the the baddest ass badass you've ever <laughs> of seen. All badass. <laughs> yeah. Chance the rapper is the background subject, and he's looking off in the distance, and Tony's standing there with sunglasses, just chilling, and the lighting in it's perfect, and it's just a perfect storm of a photo. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I got some some pretty dope photos. I'd say for me, even it's like a really good house party with just a couple of buddies as far as booking, like ideal bookings, if you want to call that a booking. Depends on whose house. Depends on whose house. (laughs) Absolutely. But it's for me, it's the it's it's crowd engagement more than numbers. So if I have 10 people who are like loving it, Mm -hmm. I will take that over 10,000 people standing around, for example, or whatever. Yeah. 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 I've actually had. uh, I've had that mm. a few times. Um, opening some of those some of those big gigs, you know, the Tiesto show and, and Dead Mouse and all that. Some of it, like some of them, went really really well, but some of them, you know, those kids are just sitting there, a thousand of them just staring at you. Yeah. When you're not playing big room music and mm. you're not jumping around, standing. Yeah, on the mixer and there. it's it's disheartening. Right. And that's a scenario you, know, you can't win. But you there's know? also, I mean, there was a couple of them, Benny Benassi, for example. There was 1,500 people in a room up above me looking down all around and just so into it that it just created an amazing vibe. Yeah. You know, so I, I would much rather that. As long as those people are on that wavelength, you know, right. it's, it's great. But, um, you know, I'll take a I'll take a room, like you said, David, two to 500 people that, you know, are there for that specific style and, and have the, um, the receptive, the receptiveness. Yeah. The intelligence to understand what it is, is going on and and really get into your music. I'd rather have that. My not so ideal booking would be just probably a smoky bar playing Mm -hmm. top 40 music or a strip club, (laughs) you know, like I don't mind top 40 music, but just being in that, you know, going back to the guy, prior to the monotonous mm-hmm. yeah. just no yeah. well it comes back to like why do we do this you know right. like it, we we do it because we want to share what it is that we love about music and and have that you know be the interconnection that we have with with other people mm-hmm. so you know yeah if if you've got the choice between playing for 10 people who are going to love it or 10,000 people who are just waiting for you to get off the stage <laughs> yeah you know then yeah you're gonna you're always gonna gravitate toward people that that you have that connection and those with. djs that play on those big stages though there are 10,000 20,000 people that are into yes. what those guys are doing yeah. and you know not to take it away from them it's right. just it's not the music that I would play or that I'm into. Therefore, right. it yeah. wouldn't be the best. Yeah, the caveat there for is me. if it was ten thousand people who were there to hear the type of music that you are sharing. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, for me, the 
the the the the knife in the forehead is you know because I'm the mobilist of all of us. Right. I think we'll all agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, the the handful that I've talked about on the show is like the budget wedding that I wind up doing for a friend for a friend that's so disorganized mm-hmm. and everybody's looking at me like I'm the one that's fucking this up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, right. I, I mean, you know, sometimes you know. You just want to help somebody out, but in the process, you realize that you're the one that's like doing things that yeah. are not in your job description. Like mm-hmm. you wind up being the wedding coordinator. Yeah, I'm just like, well, how in the fuck did I wind up here? You know, and I feel obligated and responsible because you know, I, like I said, I'm the one facing the crowd. You know, they're all looking at me like I got something to do with it, and I'm like, <laughs> fuck this. You know, yeah. and then you start drinking, and then your mixes get off, and blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But like the ideal mix, the the ideal setting for me is like I, I I do most of my work in the CrossFit arena or even in the sporting arena with the the football games and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and just being able to play music like you said that gets people into the moment, right? You know, trying to get them to be excited about you know, oh shit, it's the fourth quarter, we're down by a touchdown, and we have two minutes and we're driving and playing songs. To, you see the fans get up on their feet and the players start dancing. That's what I appreciate you know. appreciate about you as a mobile DJ is that you think about those things right. and like yeah. you care mm-hmm. like you know what's going to get these people amped up for fourth quarter when the situation is this and the situation is this like yeah. digging into that psychology like i i think a lot of it's it's really easy for working slash mobile djs to kind of not think like that. check it in yeah, yeah just kind of what's the phrase i'm looking for phone it Turn, in phone it in thank <laughs> you to phone check it in, in. Yeah. i'm like chase say check it in say check it in <laughs> uh, to phone it in because that they just figure that i'm a dj for hire i'm going to play what they tell me to play mm-hmm. and whatever and and what you're doing is much more a service to them i think well especially long term right because like if anybody who's got a little bit of length in the tooth right like you can easily look back 10 15 20 years into into your past and some music really sticks with you because it identifies with a moment yeah you know so if you are playing a certain song while some kid is you know making he that run a touchdown and yeah. he just scored a touchdown 10 years from now he's going to hear mm-hmm. that song 20 years from now he's going to hear that song on the oldie Woo! station right yeah. <laughs> he's either going to think you're his hero or he's going to feel like a hero and either way you you did your job yeah right there right yeah right it's a lot of creativity yeah. All right, we have another voicemail. This one comes from Andrea. Hi, my name is Andrea. I'm 47, and I want to know how to rock the party and DJ. I love, I love music. So where do I start, and where do I find a DJ that will teach me and be patient? Okay. So where to start and where to find a mentor? www.passionatedj.com forward slash how to DJ. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, that is a good start. It though. is a I good mean, start. I mean, but it's it, that is a wall of text. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff there to digest and to, and, and to research into and all of that. But um, hands down, um, one of the best ways to learn is to find a mentor. And in order to find a mentor, you got to go places where there are DJs. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like trying to find one that is going to be patient and teach you that skill, like, I don't know that that's 
um, anything that you just run out and find. Like you don't go to the nightclub and go up to the DJ and be like, hey, can you teach hey, me how to teach do this? Me. <laughs> you teach me how to drop. You teach me how to bring on the drop. Well, you got you to like what they do as a DJ and you've got to engage with their teaching style. Exactly. Which is yeah. exactly. Crucial. And not so, all DJs can teach people how to DJ. Right. That's true. Absolutely. That's true. So, um, you know, but one of the cool things about the, the age that we live in is that there are a lot of resources out there. You know, um, there there's resources online that you can look up to learn how to DJ. There's, um, you know, video tutorials all over the place and stuff like that. Yeah, YouTube's loaded full yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. personally, uh, before I found you guys, uh, Elliskins. Yes. Was uh, one of the guys that I found on YouTube. He's kind of one of the OGs of like free DJ tutorials. Well, like, he's been doing it for a long time. You look at his old, old stuff and he's like using like vinyl mm-hmm. and, uh, and and doing mentoring that way. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, people found him because he would do stuff like, I'm going to beat match these eight tracks on five different kinds of devices. And yeah. he would right. like mix four records and three CDJs and a laptop in the corner and just yeah. kind of yeah. making a point. You know, uh, right. DJ Angelo is another dude that uh, mm-hmm. I, I started yep. out following uh, when I start restarted this journey uh he's got a lot of free stuff out there too and you know i mean just to to continue tooting our own horn here i mean uh i i'd like to think that part of the what we do here on the show is to try to be that kind of virtual those virtual mentors whenever we can for which is why we do these kind of ask me anything shows and stuff like that which is why we take voicemails all the time by the way uh, you don't have to wait for one of these shows. We'll take them anytime. We right. take your emails. You can email us at podcast at passionatedj.com. You can tweet at us, all that fun stuff. And we'll definitely do what we can from behind the microphone and yeah. <laughs> behind the keyboard right. to give advice and stuff like and that. And if you're lucky, you might find us and we are in the same hometown and you might even live next door to one of the people on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, would never happen in that, a million that'll years. That'll never happen in a million years. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, for those of you that are our newer listeners, that's actually how I found the show. I was deployed out of the country, uh, did a uh, iTunes search and started listening and then slowly realized that, uh, oh shit, these guys are in my hometown. So I'm like, super sweet. I'm going to get back. I'm going to I'm going to bug the shit out of these guys until they bring me on their show. And then next thing you know, one of the show hosts moves next door to me. So, you know, <laughs> if you grind really, really hard, kids, these things can happen to you, too. Right. You know, Thoughts got, become I, things. Yeah, I, I got Tony had me work in security for some of the DJs that I've always wanted to see my entire life. You know, so, yeah, the stars can align for you, too, folks. Um you gonna start the, selling the, copies the, of the secret too? <laughs> <laughs> and for 1995, yeah, you too can learn Modingo's secrets. The um, the best advice, the the way that I went about it is, I went to the top 40 clubs here when I was getting into it. I mean, I got into it in the, into the in the skating rinks before that, but I would go into the clubs and I would I became friends with the DJ at the local club, mm-hmm. and you know I hung out in his booth. And just watched and watched and watched and, you know, we became pretty good friends and, um, you know, I didn't stay up there too long because I didn't want to like hinder him or feel like I was standing on his shoulder like, hey guy, hey guy, hey guy, you know, went up for a little bit, watched, checked it out, you know, and eventually we, we built a relationship and he helped me out and, you know, and then I learned just a, a couple little things, but then I came across a really good friend of mine that actually taught me the actual basics of, mm. of mixing, you know, the whole mixing part of it. Cause back then I was just into the scratching side, but yeah. yeah, find somebody in your, in your town that's already DJing and it's, that's doing stuff, you know, and try and uh, build a relationship with them. And right. if we have a pretty vast network, we're up to 3000 followers on Facebook. So chances are we might know somebody where you live that we can connect you with too. So, well, the other thing I was going to say is, 
this, you know, like all things that we talk about on the show, this is going to depend on the type of DJing that you're interested in, right? So, um, I mean, if you, if you said you want to rock the party, so I assume we're talking live DJing, not like uh, creating studio mixes or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, but still don't know if that means, you know, do you want to do the wedding corporate thing? Do you want to do nightclubs? Do you want to, you know, because you might find different types of DJs and different people there to network with and so mm-hmm. on. So obviously your mileage may vary and you're going to have to massage this into your life however it however that works but just wanted to make that point because if you're you you don't want to just go crash a bunch of weddings to meet wedding djs (laughs) (laughs) yeah because that's actually part of the reason why i started doing the wedding stuff is because i went to some weddings of my friends and the djs sucked and uh so for me it was like kind of a crusade (laughs) nice um the other thing i wanted to say is uh, as a new dj we're actually going to take two voicemails from two of our ambassadors uh to send the show out with today and they are both full of uh tips for new djs so stick around to the end of the show and maybe you'll find something valuable there as well and speaking of ambassadors brian james he says who was the first dj you saw that influenced you to become a dj for me, it was easy. DJ Jazzy Jeff. Jam Master J. Jam Master J. Nice. Mm-hmm. Grandmaster DST. Okay. In Rocket, the Rocket video. I don't have a good answer to that. I've got think. one, but it's so far obscure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so like, like I was, I was hip to what DJing was and 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 who DJs were. So like, yeah, Jazzy Jeff would be a, a, an easy early one, and uh, you know. Um, uh, run DMC, like all, all of all of those DJs that you saw as part of all the hip hop stuff. But like for me, I wasn't actually inspired to be a DJ until I got into the rave scene. And uh, the first DJ that I saw that like made me want to be a DJ was Robert Curcio. Oh, I was wow, okay. Say yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, Robert Curcio. I don't even know if he still DJs. I, I hope he does. Um, but like he, he had like this, like kind of tech house before mm-hmm. tech house was a thing kind of sound to it. And, um, uh, a, a, an old friend of mine or ours, uh, uh Randy Molden, mm-hmm. uh, used to bring him a bunch to all of his subsonic parties. Yeah. And, uh, like I just, I loved that dude's sound and like, so the first time that I saw him was probably 99, maybe 2000. No, it had to be 99. It was in 99. And like that, like when I saw it, I was like, okay, now I, I've got to do this. I have to do this. And then around the same time, a buddy of mine bought a set of turntables mm-hmm. and didn't know what to do with them. So like we had a party at my house, like people were messing with it, but like none of us were DJs. So we were all like, eh, well, whatever. And then like, you know, everybody gets wasted. And then the next morning he's like, I'll just come back for that stuff later. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So then I started digging out, you know, all of my mom's old disco records and starting playing with those. And then he called it like we lived like on opposite ends of town, like, you know, different counties or whatever. So like I hit him up a couple days later. Hey, do you mind if I just play with these for a while? He was like, yeah, no, I'm not really that good with it anyway. So <laughs> then I went down to uh, Clubhead Records and bought my first set of records and I talked to the owner and he was like, well, "What? Well, what do you like?" And I'm like, "Uh, music, house." <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I left there with like a stack of Booty House records. I left there with uh, like some more of my unbanned Heldon records. I left there with 
you know, so a bunch of different types of records and stuff, but it was all like uh, centered around house. That's kind of what I did in the in the scene back then, like until I honed in on yeah, what yeah, it was exactly. Just really, kept, really like I've got a bunch of records here that were probably among <laughs> the first that I ever bought, and I've mm-hmm. you know I've maybe played them a little bit just to like get my bearings, but like never did anything else with them. But yeah, for me, that's that uh, Robert Curcio. I, I I remember like the the records that he was even mixing like i can i can still hear the mix like one of them uh was armand's uh remix of war slipping into darkness okay and like i i still hear that like like it was like i'm still at that damn party like (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that was i was um myself i was really into skating roller skating when i was a kid that was one of my favorite pastimes and i was i was really into break dancing and all that stuff too as a kid but you know just when I say Jam Master J, a long time ago when MTV was all about music, you know, and the videos and <laughs> when stuff, they music. every Saturday <laughs> night they would do a Saturday night concert. I mean, it was like one week it would be Kiss, the next week it would be Motley Crue, yeah, and then yeah. they did Run DMC. And, you know, Jam Master J was scratching the whole run, run, and I thought it was super, super cool, but I was so young at the time still that, you know... I was infatuated with it, but I wasn't going to go out and buy a set of turntables. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. I just, and then as I got older, um, I was still into, I, I was a real big dancer and I danced and everything was always into that whole culture. And then I saw a guy in 1991 down in West Palm beach, Florida that had a set of 1200s. He was, he's in cahoots with like Dynamix and all those guys and mm-hmm. all the Miami Bay stuff. Okay. And man, he was amazing at scratching. And then, you know, but the first thing that really drew me into it was seeing Jam Master J on that Saturday night concert on MTV doing that. I'm like, that is super, awesome. super cool. And, you know. I don't I have a great answer for that one because I didn't really get into DJing that way. Like, I didn't, ha- I didn't have anyone that I looked up to and said, wow, that makes me want to be a DJ. I kind of, I came into it tinkering with sounds and messing with music production and stuff and then kind of more discovered DJing and, and learned about it through I'm kind of like that first generation thing right like, well I'm, I'm kind of that first generation of kids who <laughs> grew up learning about DJing on the internet right, like right. A, a little bit earlier version of the internet you know so <laughs> it, w- it was a little different I couldn't just like YouTube like how to start DJing and then just run so you with came it. through as a producer I, uh, yeah I came through as an, an amateur producer and then uh, just as a music enthusiast, you mm-hmm. know, I learned about trance music and then I figured out who the big trance guys were. And then I figured out how they played that music to people. And, you know, so I kind of, uh, I took a little different route to get there. So my, my DJ heroes didn't become that until after the fact, right. you know? Right. Um, but the closest thing that I would have would be more like local, like hometown heroes, mm-hmm. like my, the, the Tonys and trips of the world okay. who, you know what I mean? Cause they were the people like <laughs> once I, <laughs> Tony's like holding his heart, um, <laughs> Because they were the ones that really made me feel a part of it. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And eventually to kind of took me in and, and brought I, you in, into the fold. Into yeah. the fold. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, at Bass Snake Music on Twitter says, I'm brand spanking new to DJ life. I recently tried out the Behringer CMD Studio 4A with Decadance. Now I'm trying out the DDJ SB2, but I kind of don't like this controller. I really dig Decadance. I know that I should move more towards the industry standard if I want to progress myself. Any advice? It just kind of depends on what your goals are, right? Like, 
don't move to something because that's where you think you should be. Like, there is pro gear out there, and, and, you know, there are some standards when it comes to pro gear for pro-level shows. But for the most part, I think we've covered this a few times, is that don't move to something, don't drop whatever it is that you're doing and and comfortable with because you feel like that's what you need to do to get Mm -hmm. there. Um, You know, it's better to master whatever tools that you have in your possession that you are comfortable with for whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish rather than go to something that you're not comfortable with and that you, you know, are that you're not comfortable with just to appease what everybody else thinks you should be doing. Yeah. Now if you already have like 10 promoter buddies and they're ready to put you on shows and they all use pioneer CDJs and okay, then maybe you have a little more motivation to to do this sooner. Sure. But you know, like in my case, I got pretty invested in Tractor early on, and I still use Tractor whenever I can. But by the time I got to be a good enough DJ where I could play on anything, it kind of becomes less of an issue. Right. Because then I can just prep a thumb drive and go, right, or, or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, by all means, use whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever resonates with your particular workflow um, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you really like Decadence, keep using Decadence. I yep. don't see why not if it's... Yeah, to to your point, I mean, don't don't change unless you have a real reason to change. I would mm-hmm. say, or unless he's got like a specific goal, like he wants to get to that level. Then yeah, probably the earlier he invests, the better off he'll be. But I don't know what his budget is. Right, and, and, and as long that. as it's not like to your point, trip. But like as long as it's not because this is what real DJs do, or this is what right. I'm supposed Hash, to be doing, or something like that. <laughs> right, right. right, right. Okay, and then I think we had a last minute submission from our ambassadors. Yes, that was Tom been, again? Yes, it was Mr. Reed. Asked, Tony, what was your favorite aspect of working with various festivals this year? My favorite aspect, you know, we talk on the show a lot about EDM. Well, I don't want to say we talk a lot about EDM, but it's, it's kind of taboo to us. It's something that we don't know, we don't listen to. You know, it's not our flavor. But um coming into the scene in 96 the electronic music scene in 96 and seeing where it's evolved now seeing 20,000 kids in a crowd just having the time of their life forgetting about everything else else that's going on and really getting in you know and having a blast and knowing that I'm one of the causes for those mm. kids having the time of their life or, right. uh, you know, creating one of the memories that they'll never forget, right. you know, and it's, it's, it's very, very rewarding. It's, um, it's exhausting getting to that point, but when you look out and you see a sea of people and, you know, I have tons of videos and, and just like, and, and pictures of, you know, the front rows and just these kids with the smiles on their faces and, you know, been standing there for 10 hours waiting for Marshmallow to come on, just squeezed up against Mojo Barricade, and you have to throw in them bottles of water, and they're just hating their life standing there, but at the same time, they're loving their life and that at that point in time, and to know that I'm a part of that, of making that happen for those kids is just, it, it's, it's priceless, and that's probably one of my uh, biggest rewards of doing this, and, you know, again, it's not, you know, it's not my cup of tea, in a sense, when it comes to the music. I've actually learned to like some of it. Sure. At, you know, finding some good parts of of, of EDM and and trap and you it's know, part of having an open mind. Man. Yeah, right, you know, it's right. it's part of being an artist. You know, I, I appreciate all music. I don't hate on it. There's there's obviously 
you know, shit in every genre. There's shit right. in techno. Right. There's That's shit right. in tech house. But there's also a lot of good in it. But, you know, being open-minded and seeing that and, sit, like, again, seeing these kids just, you know, forgetting everything that's going on and just having the time of their life, man. Just seeing that is just, that's, that's my, my point, man. I that's love awesome. I love that's it. a great answer, man. Yeah. I like that. We, we have a last minute submission. Yeah. One more from G money. Uh, okay. Asking if we've ever considered taking this show on the road to like, uh, some of the conferences they have out there. Have considered it, but that's as far <laughs> as we've gotten. Right. <laughs> we'll get back to you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I know uh, people hit us up asking if we've ever, or when are we going to NAM? Yeah, things like that. That and I, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I've never mentioned this to anybody, so I guess now is a good time as any. I would really like to do some just simple meetups. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like just a passion, like meetup.com type meetups. Just meet some of our audience if they're kind of within driving distance. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I would be down with doing that to kind of hit our like louisville's and phillies and stuff places that aren't too crazy out of town yeah, if we go to philly i want to go to that ramen place that brian posted on oh place. man that, <laughs> looked that looked good yes. i even showed my wife I was a like, baby look at this <laughs> she's like that looks yummy well right. speaking of brian we have a voicemail submission from him and another one of our ambassadors who are going to send out this show with some advice for new DJs from our passionate DJ ambassadors and Trip. If you would do me a favor and give a little background music as a Trip Turlington original to send out the show with and uh, link it up in the show notes with a buy link. And this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. It's great being back. Peace. Later. Bye. Hello everyone, this is Brian K. James, the engineer from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with my three tips for upcoming DJs. First one is educate yourself. Learn the style of music that you love so much. Learn who started it. If they're still playing, go see them. When you get a chance to meet them, thank them for their music before you go to fanboy mode. Right? These are just standard things that I would say to do that. Also, learn the songs you play forwards and backwards. Nothing like knowing the track forward and backwards so that way you know where all your mix points are. You're going to know what track floats into what from where. Okay? Educate the audience is number two. If you're playing techno, great. If you're playing house, great. Whatever style it is that you, you play, great. Find the unknown tracks. Do a lot of crate digging. Find those rare, what we used to call B-sides back in the vinyl days. Find those B-sides, those ones that keep the vibe but no one's keeping track of. Things that most people just pass by on, right? Number three, promote yourself. If this day and age, if you're not promoting yourself from day one, no no one else is going to do it for you, myself included. You know, DJ life is a marathon, not a sprint. Because if you're expecting to blow up overnight, then less than, you know, that less than 1% of people doing this get from the bedroom to the festival, Right. So if you get there, though, turn around and take a look at the trip you just took to get there. Did you take shortcuts? Because if you did, you're going to have to keep faking it until you actually make it. Peace out.
Hey all, DJ Brains here. Just wanted to drop a line and say enjoying the podcast. Keep up the good work and, and look forward to future content and episodes uh, from everybody. Uh, I wanted to drop some thoughts today on beginning DJs. And I uh, want to start out with a thought about don't get overwhelmed when you're starting out. There's a lot of advice on technology, on techniques, on what you should and shouldn't do but uh, just remember you know what what is it that you want to accomplish where do you want to be I like to kind of cherry pick from the different things that I read and see and and then apply them to what I want to do or where I think I, I'd like to go also uh, with that comes being open to new ideas Maybe we get set on saying, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to play this kind of music. Maybe uh, there's not a market for it in our area. It might switch things up a little bit. And then finally, I think it's most important to have fun. You know, if you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? And you're going to stop. So that's all I really had. Uh... Just want to leave those thoughts with you, and I'll catch you later. You don't want to just go crash a bunch of weddings to meet wedding DJs. <laughs> this is my point. <laughs> right. Yeah, because yeah, that's actually part of the reason why I started doing the wedding stuff is because I went to some weddings of my friends, and the DJs sucked. And uh, so for me, it was like kind of a crusade you know, <laughs> nice. to save all the shitty marriage, shitty, or not shitty. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of a personal crusade to save all weddings from shitty DJs. <laughs> yeah, you got your hands full if you're going to go save all the shitty marriages. Uh, Captain Save-A-Ho. I mean, Captain Save-A-Mo. I mean. <laughs>